Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for May has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is Brett Kelly. Uh, He's back 90 episodes after his first appearance, and he is now an independent writer and the author of Evernote Essentials. You were the author of Evernote Essentials last time you were here, but hey, how's it going? <laughs> good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. good. So your big news is that you, you are now independent. This happened very recently. Yes. And you are, you're, you're writing pretty much. You're a full-time writer now. Yep. That's, uh, that's what I tell people. Are you doing the, uh, uh, the Hemingway approach? Are you, are you an alcoholic yet? Not yet. Working on it. Um, but it's, it's one of those things you build, too. I don't think I can just, you know, it's been like two weeks, so I can't just jump right in and start drinking like that. Mm. Yeah, no, it takes some time. I've, uh, yeah. I've just sipped uh, some Glen Levitt Nadura at, uh, what is it, 2 p.m. Central Time? Nice. So I think I'm there. <laughs> no, but well, really, like, I, I only drink when I podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a social thing. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Yes. I should be drinking. I feel bad that I'm not actually because it's after it's twelve fifteen here according to my uh, Macintosh. So. Yeah, you see, you got a couple hours before it's like socially. Well, no, no I think afternoon, at least in my experience, <laughs> that once it hits twelve o'clock, I mean, obviously you know pace yourself, but it's not unless you're having like a mimosa or a greyhound in the morning. That's different. But like if you if you want to crack a beer open at noon, especially it's, it's Memorial Day also. So right, like right, you know we should be we should be three drinks in by this point. I can come up with all kinds of ways to justify it. Oh yeah, me too. Um, well, that brings up the uh, the the topic of of scheduling. Yes. So, with your recent independence, a topic that comes up a lot when I talk with people who are indie in any way, uh, the topic that it always switches to: how do you structure your day when you don't have anyone telling you what to do at any given time? Have you have you started to formulate a an approach, uh, a strategy for that yet? Um, I've tried, but it's been strange. Okay, so there is some sort of inbuilt-in structure to my life already because I have a wife and I have two kids, and they are my wife homeschools our two kids, and our so our days sort of follow the typical workday kind of time frame. Yeah. So, and I'm expected to be, and I expect myself to be, you know, awake and alert and ready to interact that kind of thing. But as far as when I do, you know, email or writing or whatever, admin stuff, like trying to decide, like, hey, well, between this time and this time, I do X activity. Like, I am nowhere near that yet. And made a few attempts to sort of at least take a first pass at a schedule like that. And it, it's just been a complete disaster. So, well, uh, based on what, based on my conversation with Marco when we discussed this, and my own experience, it only gets worse as you go. Like everything begins blurring together and you really like if you're going to stay productive, you kind of have to do what's most productive at any given time without really setting up a grid. Like I found, I'm finding like Marco was right. Like at the time I talked to Marco, I, I was still of the opinion that I would at least block things out by days. I would say today's coding, today's writing, today's, you know, et cetera. Right. But that has gotten to a point where I, I don't have the separation and I don't have 
the schedule you do because my kids are dogs, and if I don't feed them for two hours in the morning, they don't really say anything. Uh, right. the, the cats are a little different, but uh, in the end, really, I don't have any responsibility other than making sure they get fed uh, once or twice a day. Um, that sounded callous, but uh, <laughs> but the, but they're not. Uh, it, there's no schedule dictated right. by it, and uh, and so I just everything becomes very very blurry. Well, and, and it gets worse as time goes on. So I've been reading this book. I think the name is escaping me right now. I think it's called Daily Rituals. But it's basically this huge collection of these one to two page synopses of how all these famous people, both in history and now, work. And I may, may, maybe misremember, misremembering, but as I recall, like there, it's pretty evenly split between people who approach work as – just it's a free for all, like whatever they feel like doing at a given time on a given day, that's what they do. And the other half of people who are like, I am out of bed at six Oh seven. I take my last bite of toast at six twenty three. You know what I mean? And like their day is structured so rigidly. That but, sounds you know, like a problem. Yeah. But I, I don't know. That sounds like counseling. Like you might need to. Yeah. But hearing those two, I mean, obviously there are, that's a, a spectrum, not two discrete options, but I resonate more with the second one than I do with the first one. Just because I know, I don't know, I've gotten used to having constraints around when I do certain things, when I work, when I, you know, hang out with friends and stuff. Like, it's not ordinarily like this just sort of open-ended block of time that I can just, oh, well, I'm going to be creative, so I'm going to sit for six hours or 12 hours and do stuff. Like, you know, you have two hours before you need to go to, you know, go to bed or before the kids come home or whatever. So, yeah, finding, and, and that's, I think, what's informed my attempts to, try to make in a, you know, something like a hour wise sort of schedule. But like I said, it's been kind of a, a cluster thus far. Yeah. Well, and, and things, things will become more apparent after maybe two months of doing it. Yeah. And you'll, you'll, you'll decide at that point, whether you are the former or the latter of those two groups. Hmm. I could see you being, a, a scheduled like military time kind of person. I could see it, but I don't, I don't think that's how it's going to go. Hmm. Okay. If I had to guess. Right. Well, and part of my whole part of this move um, away from having a regular job is I'm going to be, you might be hearing my kids in the background right now. Sorry about that. Um, I'm going to be more involved in like doing the homeschool stuff with them. Like I'm teaching them math now because, uh, they, my wife wanted me to teach the math, and I'm like, yeah, totally. It sounds good. So now I'm a very part-time homeschool teacher in addition to fancy internet writer person. So that's another thing I need to – it's not just my own creativity and my own energy. It's like, okay, well, I also have to budget time and energy for teaching my kids stuff. And that's another – and I don't mind it at all, but that's another thing that sort of influences how my time is allotted and that such like stuff. So Yeah. Well, and again, that that adds a, a dynamic that I am not familiar with into the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we have, like, yeah. we have an off, office pool going over here about how structured your life is going to end up. So let me okay. know how it goes, and we'll see if I win. <laughs> All right, uh, put me down on the, uh, the the completely lost square for five bucks. Okay. <laughs> oh man, so. There, you said something that made me. Oh, are you using that new math uh, curriculum that with where you have to like show your work and do word problems for basic addition? Um, well, I've only recently taken over the math teacher job, 
So as we're we're beyond, well, although we're doing like basic multiplication now, but it, the, okay, the way I'm teaching my kids how to do that stuff is not how I was taught. I don't know if that qualifies as new math or not, but well, um, it's definitely different. I I was talking to a mathematician, and <laughs> as one uh, does, yeah. <laughs> I do regularly. Um, and I always say, no, I suck at math. And they consistently, and this guy made it very clear that I don't suck at math. Math sucks the way it's taught. Mm. And, and like we started going into it. I've only recently realized that I actually enjoy calculus. <laughs> like wow. I, I took a W, like I withdrew from calculus when I was a computer science major. And that was the end of my computer science degree because I thought it was beyond me. I thought it was just something that was never going to apply to me. But the idea of building functions to solve an equation, the idea of thinking more abstractly, suddenly I get like what calculus is and it was never made apparent to me. Hmm. And I think that, I think it's really true that the way that you and I growing up learned math was not the most productive way. I'm not a math teacher. I, I shudder to think what would happen if I tried to teach math to kids. But I do think that there's a lot of room for uh, restructuring the way we think about everything uh, in mathematical. Yeah, as, and as I'm hearing you describe that, like calculus, I still, I mean, I never took calculus ever, and I don't plan to. But thinking back on mo a lot of what I learned math-wise was sort of a, a combination of just rote memorization. I don't know, like multiplication and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know, like I've just memorized enough sequences of numbers. Like, okay, well, I just know what that is. Like I haven't ever sat down and added it up or whatever. And a lot of what I'm teaching my kids is like, okay, well, if you have to figure out nine times nine, like you should ultimately memorize that, but you just count by nines, you know, nine, 18, et cetera, all the way up to you've got nine of them. And I'm like, that seems like a really weird way to do it. Yeah. And I don't know. See, I do nine times ten and then subtract nine. That's one of the tricks they taught. They're teaching in this book that I'm using. Believe it or yeah. not, yeah. So you you should be writing these books, <laughs> I guess, because <laughs> I be to teach myself to do that. Because you know, for me, it was all multiplication tables. You just memorized it and you knew what they were, but they never really taught you how you right. can jump to those conclusions. But anyhow, anyway, yeah, math, mm, math. Forget math. Well, what, like I got two more years of this, then I'm going to have to hand it over to someone who actually knows what they're doing. <laughs> well, so. what about what about English? I mean, you're a writer. You deal with the English language all the time. Do you feel like do you feel like your English education growing up was sufficient, or did you learn a lot of stuff as you started writing for yourself? I learned a lot of stuff as I started writing for myself and reading too. That was something. I mean, I never did either of those very much when I was in school. <laughs> um, which is to say high school. I didn't really go to college, but um, I did for a little, little while. But um, after when I became a grown-up, like I started reading a ton and I started my first blog in like 1999 or something and 2000 and didn't write for it a ton, but like I you know, started writing somewhat regularly and that got more regular over the years. Um, and a lot of it was more or less regurgitating rules that I had just picked up by reading a bunch um, I'm trying to think of an example, like I can just tell you if a sentence sounds right or not. I couldn't tell you sure. practically why it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've tried to go back and sort of backfill that, <laughs> like, because my own like intuition about whether or not something is correct is not really a good teaching tool. Um, but 
yeah, it's mostly just from having reading, read and written a bunch after, after school. What's really great is working with uh, editors that really know what they're doing mm. and who write notes in the margins of everything you write. Because at first it's, it's kind of, uh, what would you say, soul-crushing <laughs> to realize how bad your English is. Oh, yeah. But you learn so much so fast that way. The thing that taught me the, the most about English was learning Spanish. Really? Because it was starting from scratch and learning what conjugation actually is, how it works, how it influences the, the sentence structure, things like that, that unless you like really old school English classes, when you used to have to diagram sentences and everything, I feel like that was actually more useful information than a lot of what I actually got in high school. Hmm. Of course, in high school, I took college lit classes. Uh, I was like PSEO in high school. What does that mean? Uh, post-secondary education options. It means the high school pays for you to take college classes and get both college credit and high school credit. Wow, cool. Yeah, it was. it's an amazing program. And the schools, the high school that I went to did everything they could to try to stop people from doing it because it came out of their budget or something. But uh, But I kind of forced my way in. I had a really high ACT score and that they couldn't, they couldn't stop me. So my junior and senior year of high school actually took, uh, I think I had one class per semester at the high school. I had to be there for like maybe four hours a week total. And the rest of the time was all college classes, which are way more laid back. You know, they're every other day max. And that was, that was the only thing that made high school bearable for me. (laughs) <laughs> but about English, like I was taking advanced lit at the college and even there, I still felt like what I learned in the process of learning a secondary language was it filled in all the blanks for me. Hmm. And cause I could translate it back and be like, Oh, I see the English equivalent of, of this, uh, this process. And, and it started to make sense to me. People have always told me, Oh, you're a really good writer. And, but I never knew why I'm, I was just like you, uh, like you said, where I knew if a sentence sounded good, I knew if it sounded proper and correct, right? But I didn't know why, and I still don't half the time. <laughs> yeah, but I've learned enough to be able to explain to someone why they are uh, incorrect in their, you know, conjugation of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, just being a general dick, but right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to take our first sponsor break so we can come back and discuss uh, some some uh, issues surrounding the word author. Okay. Sounds like I have, I have several. Yeah, it does. <laughs> our first sponsor today is Shopify, a hosted e-commerce solution that allows you to set up and run your own online store in minutes. Pick a template, add your products, pick your payment processor from PayPal to Stripe to Authorize.net, and ship your stuff with just a few clicks. With Shopify, it's easy to sell online, and there's no software to download, host, upgrade, or maintain. Pick from over 100 professionally designed e-commerce templates, or you can create your own with full control over the HTML and CSS. There are no bandwidth limits and no need to worry about scaling when your store becomes wildly popular. And every Shopify store is level 1, PCI, DSS compliant, and totally secure. I still haven't looked up what those acronyms mean, but they are, it sounds impressive. Important. Um, Important, exactly. Shopify has just announced their Shopify POS. And I do, there are, I, I, I do know what that one stands for. And it's not, it's not what 
you might. It's point of sale. Is right. all I'm saying. Um, and it's an iPad application that lets you sell your Shopify store's product in a physical retail setting. It's quick and easy. You browse your store's catalog, pick a customer's products, swipe their credit card, and print the receipt or send it through email. Uh, I've used this at a couple local stores, and it's it's very cool. It's I think I think it's almost silly not to be using at least something like this. And Shopify's is solid. Um, you can automatically sync products and orders, and there's only one dashboard to manage all your retail and online stores. Uh, and you can get the Shopify POS hardware, which includes a credit card reader, cash drawer, and an iPad stand, and a receipt printer. And if you order online, the shipping is free. So visit shopify.com slash 5x5, and you'll get three months for free. Check them out today. All you need is something to sell. So you, you, when I asked you about how you wanted to be introduced, right? I offered to call you an author. And and you 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 kind of hesitated on that. Why why you have a you have a published book, right? And so what is your hesitation with the word author? I don't really know. Like <laughs> um, it's my only real reason for being not super into being called an author, which is a very flimsy reason. Is like growing up. Like I was just obviously aware of books and oh, this is, this guy's the author of this book or this guy's the author of all these books. Stephen King is an author and I'm a guy who like crapped out a PDF that, and no, there was no, you know, no vetting, no anything. I just made a thing and it turns out people like it, which is cool. But I guess I always associated the word author with someone who like has a book that a publisher decided to publish independent of the author's wishes or well, you know, whatever, like without <laughs> the author wanted them to obviously, right. but like it didn't, it wasn't just a unilateral one, you know, one guy decision like mine was. And I realized that the word author, it doesn't even include just books. It can include greeting cards and you know, whatever, like plenty of things are written by authors, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like I've always just had this weird hang up with being, with referring to myself as an author or being referred to as an author. So do you even think though it- I am, do you think it comes back to like uh, an imposter syndrome where you just don't feel uh, like you've earned the title? Probably. Yeah. And I think that's, it's the external validation. And also, I don't know, this may sound a little bit like I'm a old mad guy or whatever, but like a lot of people will just like, you know, write something that's crap, put it on the internet for a buck. And then like, Oh, I'm an author now. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, okay, I don't know. So, the, the term gotten a little bit diluted, I think, over the years, especially with self-publishing now. So it's also a hesitance to be associated with uh, with people who really, in your opinion, don't deserve to be authors. <sighs> not, not don't deserve to be, but it, I don't know. Hey, come I'm, on, that's what you just said. I guess more. The or less, yeah. certain people. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who who literally write spam, right, and call themselves authors. They write Correct. SEO keyword heavy material. And article spun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I don't, I don't want to be lumped into that crowd. No, that's understandable. But, that's understandable. Yeah. See, for me, there's, there are authors, there are journalists and there are bloggers. And I suppose they all fall under the category writers. Yeah. And it's, it's this weird separation that I make and it has no like, uh, I, I don't consider any of those more or less valid than the other. It's just the way that my brain separates styles of writing. 
like blogging is a very personal voice where you, you kind of, you inject a lot of your personality into it. Yeah. You, and then you have journalism, which is very fact-based and it, you know, it, it may have a bias, but you're presenting just straight information. And then there are authors, w- which to me is a combination of presenting ideas and facts or plot injected with your own voice. And I, I just I made that up as I went because I've never really considered <laughs> right. like what the separation is. But I, I, I was basically trying to explain it to myself there. OK. But, yeah, I think that's that's fairly accurate to the way that the, the three titles exist in my head. And mm. uh, and I would definitely consider you an author. I, I'm a, a fan of Evernote Essentials. Oh, thank you. I, I don't I, I don't use Evernote that much anymore. But I'm fascinated. I, I, I think they've built something really amazing. In fact, one, one of my picks when we get to it today is uh, it interfaces with Evernote. And to me, like the, the ecosystem, like the Evernote trunk, it, it, the, uh, it's just it's amazing that they built something that is this universal platform. And there are so many ways to get your information into it. It's, it's kind of it's strange that I don't use it, but. It is strange. You should start. When they add like a markdown editor and super <laughs> fast, like instant as you type search. Then, then you'll be all set. Maybe. Okay. I have this really utilitarian. I don't know. If you look at NVLT, if you look at notational velocity and the reasons I was attracted to it to begin with, uh, you begin to understand that I have, if it's not like, ugly plain text you're not happy <laughs> i'm not happy <laughs> like everything must be utilitarian or it's not real it's ridiculous but mm. i'll use envy alt like every day just to throw the the uh, butt kiss right back at you so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> me too i'm reading my notes out of envy alt right now well my picks are in evernote yeah so and that's that's when i I I have publicly said this, so this isn't breaking news, but um, I'm I'm working on a commercial version of NBL written from scratch. Nice. That uh, fulfills a few of my own, like the missing pieces. And, uh, and one of those is image storage. And like, like what I'm building, it's still a markdown based note taking system but it has the ability to store images in a local bundle and, okay. and using uh, bookmarks instead of absolute URLs allow you to include images in your notes that will, when you move your note or when you copy it somewhere, it has the ability to associate the image and correlate it as necessary. But mm. that, you know, like to me, that's already pushing, it's already blurring the lines of utilitarian note-taking. <laughs> Right. But there is there's there are very, very valid reasons for including images and things there. There's a reason that the human brain appreciates a picture over, you know, three paragraphs of text to describe the same thing. Right. Well, so, you know, picture a thousand word thing. That, right. all that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's not a new concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should point out that I did write my my list of picks in Markdown with an Evernote. Even though Evernote doesn't speak Markdown natively, I 
I used, well, <laughs> I have three asterisks each with an item after them, so it's not like super complex markdown. But right, No, but it is, uh, it, I wish that, I used to have a watcher for Evernote that connected it to Marked, and Marked mm. could read the current note using AppleScript and update every time that Evernote didn't autosave. But Evernote kept moving their uh, autosave folders around to a uh, point where right. I got tired of trying to keep up with it. And write these, you know, hacks that dug into application bundles and everything. So currently doesn't work, but there has been, and there may be again in the future, uh, a markdown preview for Evernote via Marked. Ooh. Yeah, that might get me back into it. There you go. Yeah, please make that. I do that. (laughs) I have so many applications I want to build right now. You do do some web programming, right? Uh, Yes. I, part of what I did for Evernote was, um, yeah, I maintained dev.evernote.com, and that required some light PHP and JavaScript. Um, I, I've programmed in various capacities over the last several years, and only recently, I mean, since getting hired at Evernote, that's when I do, did a lot less programming than before. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much a pretend developer. Uh, I, can, I can fake my way through a lot, but nothing Nothing real. You have so. a lot of imposter syndromes, don't you? I know. Well, I have a, I have a lot of insecurity problems, but it's joking. Do you I mean, want to talk would, about that? Nah, maybe maybe offline. Um, <laughs> and I've actually thought like it'd be really fun to not to get back to the whole "what do your days look like" conversation, but like pick out a a portion of time each week where I get to because I mean I have a handful of small software things that I want to build that I'm capable of building, and really like re. Because that part of my brain is mostly atrophy because I haven't done it in a, a meaningful way in a long time. And getting myself back into writing software again, which I really, really like doing. Um, but I'm afraid <laughs> that I'll just like get back and go, I have no idea how the hell to do this anymore. It's weird because it is to some extent like riding a bike. Like you can get back to it after a, a hiatus. Yeah. But it's it's amazing the amount of stuff you can forget that it, that you have to consciously go back and figure out now how did I do this before and why did it work and then you have to look at how technology has changed since the last time you tried to solve the problem <laughs> right and it gets if you don't actively maintain the skill set there is a a relearning curve yeah for and, sure and that can be it can be intimidating yeah, i remember having to look up like some totally basic PHP function, like the parameter order. I knew the name of the function, but I couldn't remember how like parameter order. And I tried to use, I tried using it and it kept blowing up. I'm like, what, why is this? And then I realized, Oh crap. Like I need to reverse those two. And i like, I hadn't, it had been like a month since I used it the last time. It wasn't like I, you know, it'd been five years, but yeah. See, so. I just, I just started uh, doing some PHP work again after probably two years of not touching PHP. Wow. And Oh, it was a well, it was a wreck. <laughs> like trying to remember things like like a parameters for functions and even function names. And PHP is such a disparate collection of of yep. kind of naming conventions. And it's yeah. If it weren't for Dash, I would have given up almost instantly. This yeah, is where Dash. I embarrass myself. What's Dash? <laughs> oh, uh, Dash is a. Uh, it's um. I don't know how you would. It's a collection of doc sets. So like PHP doc would be, mm, and I okay. just, on my computer, I hit caps lock space and it pops up and I just type PHP colon and then 
you know, whatever array uh, case sort or something. Right. And, okay. and it will just, it'll find the first match of a function name. And then anything I type after that becomes a page search. And it's just instant access to all of these. Like I have, I think I have like 22 different languages. Holy crap. In dash. So that when I need to get info on, you know, cause it'll do everything from like angular JS to PHP to, uh, my Vim shortcuts are in there. Like everything nice. that I need to know. It's uh, it's kind of it has the same effect as Evernote, where you dump it out of your brain, and you right. have it at your fingertips, so you don't have to remember it anymore. So you don't, and that can be detrimental. But at the same time, it frees up so much of your brain to do other things. Yeah, I've definitely got to the point with several things, not necessarily programming, but well, some programming. Like I just by default will reach down and hit Control Shift Command F which is the global, at least I think, it might be the custom one that I made, but I think it's the global Evernote search, just which activates Evernote and puts you in the search box and just start typing. Yeah. And because it's like, I, I can't immediately remember that thing, so I'm just going to hit that and start typing it and see what shows up. And usually I've, I've got it somewhere. Well, and that's part of why I, I kind of focused my energy, my note-taking energy on NVL, because I had, I had code snippets in Codebox. I had... Uh, uh, email and notes in Evernote. I had uh, quick scrawled notes in NVAlt, and I had captured web pages in both NVAlt and Evernote, and all of these different places. I didn't have a universal search. Yeah, and I think to really make an information collection system viable, you have to focus it on one application. Yeah, and I think that's probably why because NVAlt I I mostly use for drafting. Um, sure. Things I'm writing. Not I don't usually keep notes in there so much. I do meeting notes sometimes, but most mostly all that stuff's in Evernote and obviously web pages and all the rest of it. But Evernote is like the most the most capable, in my opinion, of what you can give it almost anything and it will handle it reasonably well. Yeah. Especially with web pages and PDFs, that kind of thing, because you can search all that stuff. But with MB Alt, it's like if I standardize around MB Alt or just plain text in general, then I'd be like, well, what if I want to add an image, like you say? Or what if I want to I don't know, like add a regular file that isn't text. Then yeah, like, well, PDFs are where it falls short because I can add images in NVL. The problem being they are absolute links, and if anything moves, it breaks. Yeah. But PDFs, there, there are a lot of times that I consider PDFs, a, it's a very useful format. Yeah. And, uh, and when you're using a plain text system, PDFs are not uh, necessarily integrated. You can still search them with spotlight and everything, but they're not part of your heads up display, if you will. Yeah. And that is, that is really a strength of Evernote to me. Yeah. PDFs is, oh man, probably most of the PDFs I have in Evernote are scans of things like mail that I get and stuff or, you know, tax documents, that sort of thing. So finding, I mean, I could obviously, I think there are ways to cobble together something that lets you like, if you, I know, uh, I think he's your pal too, Brooks Duncan uh, from yeah. Document Snap. Um, he put together this pretty solid system, I think, of like running a document through a uh, scan snap into a folder, having Hazel watch that folder, run PDF Pen to OCR. Did I say photo? No, I didn't. Uh, have PDF Pen OCR the PDF, and then dump it into like this like permanent repository in like Dropbox or something. Yeah. I so and then that. you have access to like you can search it through Spotlight. Which you're way more of a spotlight wizard than I am. I use it to like launch apps on my wife's Mac because I don't use it on mine really. But um, yeah, like you could 
in theory, create something similar to what Evernote can do. Um, yeah. But for me, I'm just like, I, I, I'm already using it for so much other stuff. So well, and just, that's the thing I tell people who like when I've consult consulting clients that ask me if they should move away from Evernote, my answer is always, if it's working for you, why would you leave it? Right. Like, because it's, it's a full system. It's capable. And if you have a system built that works with the Evernote ecosystem, why? Yeah. There's, there's really no reason not to use it. Like for me, it was broke. a personal decision because a lot of my stuff wasn't in the Evernote ecosystem. Right. So I had to be in or out. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's an extremely capable system. And it, would they just hit like, um, how many millions of users? A hundred million. hundred like million. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that gives you uh faith in the freemium model right. and the fact that Evernote will continue to be around. I do wish that the export options were a little better, but. Yeah. But you're, you're the kind of guy who can monkey with stuff like that. Cause yeah. you know, just give you, give you some XML and. <laughs> Ruby. I have done I've done a lot of things with Evernote's XML, but yeah. Um I'm gonna go ahead and do our second sponsor. Have Please are you do. a text expander guy? Dude. I mean not like you, because I don't think anyone <laughs> is like you, but yes, like I'm an enthusiastic text expander user. Well that's awesome because our second sponsor today is Smile Software and Text Expander. Um I'll I'll read a little bit of this and then I will tell you uh, I will inject my own and then feel free to inject your own thoughts into this. Okay. We'll make this a very, um, a democratic sponsor read. <laughs> okay. Text expander saves you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text and pictures, including, uh, something they call fill-ins to customize your common responses. Um, fill-ins are awesome because you can have like a checkbox, like you could create a snippet, that has a response to a common question and then have checkboxes to add optional portions to the response. Just as an example, and like my, my show notes, I just type in Brett Kelly and I type in episode 98 and it creates all the skeletons for me. Um, and then I can just paste in the sponsors and, um, but uh, let's see, whether it's a simple email signature or several paragraphs of a standard response, you love how easy it is to use text expander to avoid typing the same thing over and over. And my rule is if I type it more than three times in one day, it becomes a snippet. That's, That's a good rule. I even make temporary snippets when I'm dealing with like online emergencies where I publish something that doesn't work or something. Right. And everyone's <laughs> writing to me and tweeting to me. I, you know, that I'll, I'll make a snippet that's only going to be valuable for three days, but yep. still it will save me so much time in those three days. Um, and you can make customized boilerplate replies, uh, quickly and easily. And you can use the built-in groups for HTML, CSS, autocorrect, accented words and symbols, all kinds of stuff. Um, you can even insert the current date and time in any format you prefer. And you can create snippets from Apple scripts and my favorite shell scripts for powerful integrations. I, I I won't go into all of it, but if you go to brettterpshire.com slash te dash snippets, you can see a ton of very useful and some experimental snippets built around shell scripts. Um, 
and you could sync snippets via Dropbox and use them on multiple devices with Text Expander Touch on iOS. And Text Expander is available from Smile for $34.95, and there's a free demo at smilesoftware.com slash TextExpander. And Text Expander Touch is available on the App Store for $4.95, and a list of supported apps is found at smilesoftware.com slash apps. So, I, honestly, I, I can say without hesitation that if you don't use Text Expander and you haven't tried Text Expander, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Agreed. I I feel bad for people on Windows that don't have Text Expander. I do too. There's, a, there's an app that like, can use their snippets, I think, but it's not nearly as cool. No. So I can't do the scripty stuff. I, I, I'm frequently asked by Windows users, what, what's the equivalent on Windows? And I don't know. Maybe there is a great one. Yeah, no, I haven't ever really tried to investigate myself, but <laughs> yeah. So I did a I did a video on Markdown uh, for Peach Pit that came out recently. Um, it's called uh, Creating Content with Markdown, Learn by Video, in case anyone's looking for it. But uh, it, uh, it, it it's very Mac-centric because I got into it and realized not only do I not know what the best Markdown editors are on Windows, I don't even want to bother looking (laughs) you don't even care i don't like i know i knew for a fact that some of the ones that i i was mentioning were cross platforms so i stuck with that right but to recommend something on windows would require research and it would require comparison research which would mean double research and i decided that my response to anyone who wanted to know what the windows equivalent would be would probably be to get a mac (laughs) <laughs> yeah i understand i'm stuck up like that yeah well as, you, a, you, as a former windows nut i was I, never a nut but i was definitely a i was i was fairly anti-mac for a big portion yeah, of my adult well, life. I, 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 that's to me that's i was i was more a linux guy than a windows guy but i was anti-mac yeah and ditto. and uh yeah that i've come a a, a, a full circle a long way to so actually my favorite. be anti Anti PC now. So my my favorite text expander snippet, not my favorite, but like one that I use frequently. That's pretty useful. It is a scripty thing, so whatever. If you don't like that, sorry. But um, so because I'm an independent internet knob now, um, I, I use affiliate links for a lot of stuff to make money. Just my, my so my kids can eat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I wrote this. It's like a probably I don't know, fifteen line Python script that grabs whatever the URL is in the clipboard, assuming it's from Amazon. Um, strips away all the query string parameters and then adds my affiliate tag to the end of it and then boom nice. puts it wherever you are so yes. i used to use similar uh, until amazon cut off minnesota's affiliate program not that you're angry i am so angry <laughs> i would be too i, I, would, I don't I, make much money from that but man i'd be annoyed the, the month before they did that i made uh seventeen hundred dollars just on amazon affiliate links I don't make anywhere near that much, but wow. Well, uh, you have good months and you have bad months. Sure, sure. Well, was that the standing desk month? That was, I didn't get affiliate links on the standing desk. Oh, you didn't? No, I oh, I begged, because okay. I bought that direct from Nextdesk. Oh, okay. And I begged them. I wrote three emails saying, give me an affiliate link, because I will, I will pimp this. I will this. pimp the living crap out of this. <laughs> and, and they never replied. I was upset. But no, that was actually a month that... Uh, our our third sponsor today, which we'll get to, uh, he he uh, he picks 
a blogger that he appreciates every month mm. and he buys all of his work stuff uh, through through that blogger's affiliate account. Oh, that's cool. And and w- w- I'm talking about Mac Mini Colo. Hmm. And okay. uh, and he's he's an awesome guy, um, Brian Stuckey. But uh, but yeah, he bought all of the minis for for that month through my affiliate account, which wow. was it was great. It's like a donation. It doesn't cost him anything, right? And he just spreads the love around. He's uh, he's a very responsible internet citizen, netizen. Netizen. Yeah. That yes. sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to doing that sponsor read as well. We'll get there. Okay. Um, we're, we're, well, we're at the top three picks now. Are we? Yeah. Already? Already. It's, it's flown by. <laughs> <laughs> get um, two breaths together, man. The hours just disappear. They really do. Boy, howdy. We have fun. We have fun on, uh, on Skype pinging yes. each other at random hours. Yeah. Well, I'm sad we're not going to have a milkshake date this year at yeah. WWDC. That was yeah. a highlight of my trip last year. So Mine too. Um, yeah. Milkshakes are always a highlight, but milkshakes with Brett Kelly, boy, something special. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget <laughs> so what's, about it. What's your first top pick? My first top pick. So a little bit of context. Um, the listeners out there may or may not know that both Brett Terpster and I are uh, electronic cigarette enthusiasts. To a degree, both are users and enjoyers of electronic cigarettes. So, my first pick, sitting right here next to me, is the Aero Tank by a company called Kanger. So, this they describe it on the website as a clearomizer, which there's a whole lot of Iser kind of. I can't think of the spoonerisms. I think they're called that people keep coming up with for different components for electronic cigarettes. Anyway, this is one that I've tried that I really really like. Um, it's got a glass tank, and if you this is after having tried several and found them all to be wanting. So, um, if you are investigating or currently uh, enjoying electronic cigarettes, and you have a battery that can take a five ten connection, you'll know what that is. If you know, um, then I would highly recommend the Aero Tank. It's like thirty bucks. It's easier to like. You can go online and look for them. They usually be between twenty five and thirty, or you can go to your local uh, uh, vapor store and buy, it and buy it there. But it's a, it's a good one, and it's got a little airflow control dingus, so you can tighten or loosen this one little knob, and it will increase or decrease the amount of air that goes through the tank. Anyway, everyone's totally bored. Nah, but, I, I, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> See, I've, <laughs> tried, I've tried the Pro Tank 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. Never liked any of them. Okay. Never had good results. I saw the Aero Tank on the same day that I decided to start just making my own. Right. And... uh and I'm fortunate to now have a vape store. For a long time, I was just uh, buying over the internet, and it was basically trial and error. Yeah, it's and dicey when you're buying online. It really is. It, yeah. and it, you it, you can there's so many bad e-cig components you can buy. It's very frustrating. So when you have a store where you can actually go and try things out and get advice, it makes a huge difference. But and return them when they break. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, the other thing for sure. Um, but yeah, like I, I built, basically I got like, I can't even remember the name. Uh, it's from smoke S M O K. But, uh, but I, I wrap my own coils. I test the resistance. I get it to the temperature I want it. I wrap my own wicks from, uh, from boiled organic cotton. Oh, and, you're a cotton guy. 
Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask that. Okay. And so I build. I build the whole thing, put it together, add my fluid, and then I can create like these clouds of vapor that will fog vision, block out the sun. Yes, and and mm. to me that's like that's that's a good time. Right. And I've dropped my nicotine levels down to next to nothing. It's like point zero five percent at this point. Wow. Um. Yeah. Or like five milligrams, five parts per. I don't even know how that's measured, but it's about as low as I can get without going no nicotine. Okay. And I do, I have intentions of quitting vaping in August, um, just because I want one less, one less thing to worry about when I'm out bowling with my parents and, and starting to have Nick fits. And I see, um, yeah, we should move on to swift key notes. Okay. Let's hear it. That's my first pick. It's uh, it's an iOS app that, um, it has this predictive, it's a note-taking app, uh, which you can tell by the name. And it has this predictive algorithm that as you type, it figures out not just autocomplete, but based on the context of what you're typing, like what the previous word was, it'll figure out what the next word could be. And it'll give you kind of a list. And as you type, it'll narrow the list down. And as soon as you hit spacebar, it'll pick whatever the top pick is. And once you get used to it, uh, like even even words like that, you type the T and based on the sentence you're writing, it fills in that and you just hit space and you almost you, you're hitting the space bar like every three characters, but you're writing exactly what you wanted to say. And on, for me, I'm not super fast on an iOS keyboard, iPad or iPhone. And this actually makes it reasonable for me to take notes on iOS and it interfaces with your Evernote notebooks. So everything is automatically synced with Evernote and you can access your Evernote notes, your text notes from it. And, uh, and that's, and then it has, a, it has a tag system that reads all your Evernote tags and you can add tags and then use them to kind of create pseudo notebooks. But that's, that's about all it does. And it does it really well. And I'm really impressed with, especially the predictive text. I played around with Swift Keynote um, maybe a couple of months ago, three months ago or so, um, back when they first launched the Evernote bit. Because that's that was, that was my job at Evernote was developer relations. So yeah. I was playing around with it, and I really liked it. I liked everything about it except the, the and this is a just a whatever my own being weird. Um, but I was whenever I'm typing on an iPhone, I'm looking at the text I'm typing, and I found like I'm trying to I, I'm typing one thing and looking down at what the thing is suggesting I, that the word should be. And like that, which is the biggest dumb complaint ever, but like I couldn't get used to having to look down and see, okay, it wants, it's going to, it wants to insert that. If I type spacebar now, like that almost, it was almost easier to just type the rest of the word that. Did you, you know? is this on iPad or iPhone? iPhone. Okay. That's so, fair enough. I don't know. It's definitely not, a, you know, not picking on the app at all because I know a lot of people like it, but I, I couldn't. And I, you know, I, I tried it for like a half an hour. It wasn't like I spent a week with it or anything, but maybe I'll give it another try. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I wouldn't say that it's going to become my forever all time favorite note taking program, but I am really impressed with what it does. Um, hmm. And it works in English, UK, and US, and uh, German, and Spanish, and. French and what's the difference between French CA and French FR? Francois CA. French Canadian, I think. Oh, Canadian. yeah. Canadian. 
I love Canadians <laughs> and too. Italians. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty broad range. Most of the, most of the stuff that, uh, auto completes and offers like dictionaries that don't cover that many languages. So that's impressive. It is impressive. I speak most of those, by the way. So that turned, that's, that's pretty lucky. Are you serious? I'm totally not serious. Okay. I speak one, I speak American English and not even that well. <laughs> I was going to be so impressed. <laughs> um, I just rattle off some Italian for you real quick. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe I should, I'll, I'll learn Italian for the next time we talk. That sounds good. I think you have to yell Italian though. <laughs> we'll have to check or on, like, like our, say it really syrupily like a romantic kind of person would i think know? even even when they're being romantic they they're loud mm. i'm just guessing based okay. on like uh the cartoons i've seen <laughs> i've never been to italy i have italian friends that are not loud <laughs> so, so you're gonna go with the cartoons instead of your italian friends that's the basis for your <laughs> your generalization about italian speech that's just how i roll okay all right. Just, you know, just, just point that out. That's all. Yeah. All right. So what's your number two? Number two is a really, we'll call it a Spartan, Spartanly designed website called geodistance.com. Um, so I, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, now that I'm not a slave to tobacco as much, I run like for exercise and I wanted to, I wanted to map, um, a route around my, cause we just moved recently. I wanted to wrap, map, map, wrap them out. Map a route around my neighborhood. <laughs> isn't that isn't that a spoonerism? Isn't that, that what it is? When you like switch? I think a spoonerism. Oh, now I gotta look it up. Maybe, maybe yeah, I'll wrong. look it up. You keep talking. I'll tell okay. you in a sec. Okay. So anyway, what this app lets you do is you. It's like it works with Google Maps. You plug in an address, it maps that address, then you can draw lines on the map, and it will just tell you how far it is. So basically, I map like this two mile rectangle that starts and ends at my house. And that's literally the only time I've used it. Um, I've tried it a couple. I think I've, I've messed, with, messed with it a little bit more, but that was the only time I actually used it for anything real. But I mapped a two-mile little rectangle, and that's what I run now until I get better at running, and then I'll map a longer one. But <laughs> super easy. Um, it's literally a map in the middle of a page with some instructions at the bottom and like a Google ad at the top. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a one-trick pony, but it, it did the trick. A spoonerism is an error in speech or deliberate play on words in which corresponding consonants, vowels, or morphemes are switched uh, between two words in a phrase. For example, saying the Lord is a shoving leopard instead of the Lord is a loving shepherd. Or saying (laughs) wrap a mout instead of map her out. Okay. I win. You do win. Congratulations. Can you cut that part where I said spoonerism earlier out? Nope. (sighs) Nope. You, You are beholden to that. Okay. Well, we'll see. Everyone forgive me. <laughs> we'll see Please. how much editing time I have. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I, I, I don't run and I don't, I don't uh, map distances much, so I, I can't add much to that. Okay. That's but it sounds right. like a, it sounds like a unique uh, project. Yeah. It's You'll fun. have to send me a link to that. Okay. All right. Well, my second one is DJ two for iOS. Have you seen it? Uh, I've, I've seen people mention it on the Twitter, I think, but I don't have any idea what it is. Please tell me. Oh, it, so basically, like DJ has always given you two decks, like two turntables, and you can add your iTunes tracks to them. And then you can scratch them, and you got a crossfader, and you got all your high-pass, low-pass filters, and you can really you can be a pretend DJ. Um, and what, what DJ2 added, in, in addition to a lot of cool little interface tweaks, it added Spotify integration. 
Whereas before, you could only work with iTunes tracks that were downloaded to your drive. Like iTunes Match and, and Cloud stuff wouldn't work. You could only work with what was on your drive. Now it has Spotify integration, which lets me lets me add tracks from anywhere, right? And mm. then it can do all the magic that it does with cloud tracks. And it has an auto, like a radio DJ thing, where, where it will use Echo Nest to analyze what you're currently playing and figure out what a great next song would be from you know the world catalog. And it'll build huh. entire playlists for you. And then it does like cool transitions. You can do like backspins and breaks and like have it automatically crossfade. And it's pretty nifty. Wow. It's good for parties. You can impress people. So, you know how you said that you don't run and have, don't use, don't map distances very often. So, you had very little to contribute to that particular pick of mine. You're feeling the same? Exactly the same way. I'm, <laughs> I, have, I don't even know what a good question to ask. Would Dude, be. but you're a metal guy. That's true. So and yeah. Spotify has a ton of metal. I don't use Spotify, dude. You, you know, the metal yeah. on Spotify is outstanding. I use RDO. Whatever. Spotify. Dude, I, what, I, mm. I, one of these days, I need to really sit down and like open up all the free trials and try all of these so that I can make a legitimate comparison. Yeah. Like I've just, I've always been a Spotify guy. It made the most sense to me at the time, but I have no, uh, no knowledge or justification for that. Spotify is all about playlists in the time that the few times I've tried it, like I can't just add because in audio, you have your collection where you can add whole albums and go browse your collection and play an album by an artist. Yeah, I can do that on Spotify. You can. Yeah, I find a, I, I find a collection. I hit add as playlist and it adds the album to my playlists. Right. That's the thing is I want you know, the playlist. Uh, anyway, I cool. have a, I have a folder in my playlist called albums. So basically, when I open up the albums folder, I'm looking at all the albums that I've bookmarked. Yeah, but they're like a flat list, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm looking for like artist name, click list of albums I've chosen to add to my collection, click on album, and then click track. I don't understand how that's different from just typing in an artist name and search and seeing their entire discography and picking a track. Yeah. Like no, I mean okay. your your argument is what I hear from everybody. When I get, I need to try it to see the difference. I just, uh, for me, like I can get to any artist and any song in a matter of probably seven to 10 seconds. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I don't have any problem with that. I feel like we're derailing the pick. Whatever. No, okay. I, I, it's care. a conversation I enjoy. Okay. Uh, the picks, picks are basically, they are uh, conversation starters. Okay. All right. Then, <laughs> so you're, I think we're, what this comes down to is you and I, listen to music differently because a lot of the time I want to just sort of look through what I've got. And like, if I and my, go to my collection and audio, like I'll just have a, sorry, a big butt grid of either artist names or album covers and just, just sort of browse and go, Oh, you know what? Let's listen to that. Like I, a lot of the time I don't know what I want to listen to until I see it. And if I'm looking at a flat list of tracks, you know, 12 anthrax tracks followed by 12 something else. You know what I mean? Like having to scroll like that, which I, as I recall was the, the browsing experience in Spotify. I found that to be crazy annoying. Okay. So no, I'll yeah. give you that. All right. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, a, uh, I like discovery. I, I don't, I think I'm always listening to something new. And if I want something classic, I already have playlists made for that. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm very rarely adding new stuff. Uh 
I can't imagine. You're so old. Yeah, I am a, old. Uh, I'm an so old soul. I, I, I'll probably edit this part out for time, but there was uh, these, these, I assume college, maybe high school kids went out to a prairie. Uh, uh, there's a trail. On, at the, I walk out my front door and across the street and there's a trail that goes into the woods. And you take it about two miles back and you come out into this prairie and it's gorgeous and it overlooks the city and, um, and they, they carved it up. They like decided to make like a party space out of it, but they went like all out and carved in like all these flat areas for tents and stuff. Hmm. And it's causing massive erosion and I'm super angry about it. And the other night they all, all these cars started pulling up outside my house and they were all going down the trail. So these are the people that were using it. And I was irate. I was just like, these kids are messing up my nature. And so I waited till it was all over, um, for the most part. And, uh, and I walked down the trail with my wife and we got to the, the party spot. And except for one shot glass that had the words, uh, drink, skank, drink on it. And one empty bottle of, uh, Palmer, Arnold Palmer, like, you know, tea, iced tea and right. lemonade. That was all they left behind. It was immaculate. Wow. And those two things were like buried in the grass. So I can understand missing them in a cleanup effort. But like all of a sudden I was, I was just mad. They didn't invite me at that point. <laughs> Wait, so you were mad initially because they, they cleared do, out a bunch of. Right. And I'm still mad about the destruction of the actual land. Okay. But my anger at these kids, like this, this irrational hatred for these like party college kids. It subsided because they were really actually pretty good stewards aside from the carving up of the land. Hmm. I just like, I've never, if I, if that were me, there's no way that place would have looked as neat and tidy and clean as it did when I got there. Wow. Yeah. And then I was even more mad because I couldn't be mad anymore. Right. Like I had this, like, get off, get off my lawn kind of attitude that all of a sudden just, dissipated and that made me they, they, then they get off your lawn and your lawn is cut and manicured <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay okay uh so is it your pick now yeah i think so uh my last pick is my coffee maker um it's one that i bought i thought i'd owned it for longer than i have but it turns out i've only owned it for like four years or three years or something uh it's the technivorm mocha master and it's because I've, I've been in previous life's more of a coffee enthusiast than I am now. I mean, I still am to a degree, but not like I was. So I bought this. It's pretty pricey. It's like 300 bucks or something for this thing. But um, it's like one of those really simple, really dumb. You hit the switch. There's no computer. There's no timer. There's no scheduling your coffee for the next morning. Um, all it does is boil the water and the boiling of the water gets it to just the right temperature that it gets dumped onto the coffee. And then you drink the coffee when it's done. And it's always exactly right. So, yeah, it's a it's a good coffee maker. We've been using it every day, multiple times a day, usually for three and a half years now, and it shows no sign. As long as you clean it, they like last for eons. So, I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm also it sort of speaks to the larger point about buying the really nice thing that will last you for a, a decade or more, right? Instead of buying, because you know you can go buy a, a Mister Coffee for forty bucks at Target, but it'll take you know it'll poop the bed and a year or less or then the coffee won't be very good. Right. Cause it's, it's too smart. So yeah, I have yeah. a friend who has like a $600 espresso machine and he yeah, bought it years ago and it still makes the best espresso I've ever had. 
Yep. Like no no coffee shop in town can compare to his espresso machine. Mm. And and I, I I get that. Like I'm a I'm a I'm all about like cold press and AeroPress and Chemex and all these fun little toys that cost like thirty bucks. Yeah. And like take <laughs> take a lot of weighing and measuring beans and water ratios and all of that. Uh, it's fun for me. It's a hobby. It's like building e-cigs. Um, but I get like spending, spending the right amount on a really high quality coffee maker or any appliance. Yeah. It makes good sense. I finally bought a new lawnmower the other day. I don't one, own one a lawnmower. That doesn't, one that doesn't spit out black smoke while you're mowing your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts on the first pull. We got it from Sears, which has like a first pull guarantee. And uh, yeah, do they call it that? That's not, I don't think that's what it's called. Okay. But, but basically, if your if your lawnmower doesn't start on the first pull, they'll service it for free. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, and yeah, this is like you pull it like four inches, and the the motor starts fires right up. It's crazy. Do you have a lot of lawn to mow? Like, how much grass do you have? Uh, we have about a half acre, but oh, it's on a sixty degree grade. Or slope, okay, and uh, and it's it, you need you need a self propelled sturdy wide base lawnmower to not roll down the hill. Wow, yeah, mm. yeah, that's my half life. acre. Of course, I should I should say in all fairness, I don't think I've ever mowed the backyard. My <laughs> wife has always done it. She enjoys it. Oh, okay. Whereas I dread it. So when she has said. I'm just going to go mow the lawn because you're never going to get to it. I have uh, acquiesced and said, okay, I'm not going to try to be the man and, uh, and take over all lawn mowing duties. I try to do the, the, the snow removal, but then my back, my back, (laughs) my back got bad enough that I accept help with that too. Um, okay. What were we talking about? Oh, coffee makers. makers. (laughs) Yes. So, Thesis is buy a nice one if you are, I mean, or, or don't, whatever. But, like, um, if you want a good coffee maker, yeah, that's, and, that's a good one. Again, send me a link to the one that you you like. I think uh, a lot of people looking to spend that kind of money would love to have some advice. Because I'm sure I there are plenty of things you could spend $300 on that would not make good coffee. True. It's funny. Like, I have my, my coffee grinder, which is that I've had, I think, since 2007 or so. Still use it every day. You have to clean it every so often. I mean, and like, I mean, every, like every three months or something. Burr or blades? Burr. Okay. Yeah. It's a conical burr grinder. <laughs> and, but it's, it's, I, I love the idea of really dumb, really sturdy machines that do one thing, particularly in like food preparation and coffee stuff. Like it doesn't, it's nothing fancy at all. Like you put the coffee in there, hit the button and it just does it. And nice. yeah. So that's another one that, that's also it's not cheap. So that was like 200 bucks, I think. But, you know, I've, I've thrown away more $20 POS um, <laughs> blade grinders in, in my life than more than enough to justify buying something like that. So, point of sale blade grinder. Point of sale blade grinder. Believe it or not, those exist. I bought them as impulse purchases. <laughs> POS at the POS, they should call it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to make my last pick quick because... If I'm not mistaken, we're at like an hour and a half right now. I'm gonna have to edit. Uh, I think that's not exactly true. Okay, good. we're my my thing shows now I'm an hour eight. Oh, good. Okay, we're 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 doing perfectly well because yeah. I stopped mine halfway. Um, but my last pick, I'm gonna. I, I had a pick that I wrote down 
and I'm going to put it off till next week uh, because I love it. But while we were talking about Spotify, I realized there is a band that I have fallen in love with called The Coup, C-O-U-P. And, mm. uh, and it's, they're like, it's what I imagine um, uh, Andre and uh, Big Boy uh, Outcast would have sounded like if they had just never had like big production and all live drums and everything. Um, Hmm. But it's their music is it it borders on hilarious. Some of their lyrics border on hilarious, but are at the same time poignant. And they have a, it's kind of a funk hip hop band kind of feel. Hmm. It's very much like if you took some of like outcast tracks and put them on live drums and then sang about uh, like they do a song called your parents cocaine. That is just, <laughs> it's hilarious. And, uh, and my murder, my love is it's let's see. There, there's a line that says uh, philosophy has been calculated to be worth its weight in air. But when you told me to go blank myself, the words had a certain flair and it's just, it, it, it makes me laugh and it, it's fun to listen to. It's good stuff. <laughs> I will check it out assuming it's on audio. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> I hope too. it is. It's really Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So that was the top three. Okay. And I will uh, jump to our last sponsor, which is, as previously mentioned, Mac Mini Colo, uh, which is the original Mac Mini hosting company. And they make it really easy to set up and maintain a co located Mac. So, like a remote Mac Mini. Uh, that you can use as all any kind of server and without any hassle or setup fees. And they have a world-class data center currently hosting hundreds of Mac minis for satisfi- satisfied customers from over 40 different countries around the world. And Mac Mini Colo makes sure you get great high performance no matter where you are. Never worry about running out of space because you can get up to 2 terabytes of storage and up to 16 gigabytes of RAM. And for those who want even more power, be sure to check out Mac Pro Colo where they provide the same great co-location services for your new Mac Pro, which you can obviously extend infinitely. Um, uh, that's not true. In- infinitely is an exaggeration. Right, yeah. But right. beyond the realm of, of everyday reason. Um, and Mac Mini Colo is where low cost meets high performance to create the perfect Mac server. So just visit macminicolo.net slash 5x5 to learn more. And as I said, I, I am a Mac Mini Colo user. I love Mac Mini Colo. I love the guys that work there. Um, and really, the the connection speeds are insane. And I, I, can't, I can't say enough good things. It's a great way to handle remote media servers, uh, cloud servers. I run all my websites off of a mini on Mac really? Mini Colo. Yeah. Um, like my marked website, my com website, uh, Marky, they're all, yeah, they're all running on one little box in Las wow. Vegas. Nice. If you go visit it, I haven't. When you visit Vegas? I, I haven't been to Vegas for years. I, I dislike, okay. I dislike the strip and the rest of Vegas is, has charm, but isn't like anything that makes me want to jump on a plane. Mm. No offense to Vegas. No, none. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I love I, Vegas, but whatever. Yeah, no, I, it, it, I don't know. I, I had some I bad nights on the strip. I think literally everyone who's been to Las Vegas could make that same statement. 
<laughs> Some people just let it go easier <laughs> than others. Las Vegas is a bad night factory. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the wah, 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 wah. closing. Um, so let's see. On Twitter, you are I-N-K-E-D-M-N. That's correct. The inscrutable Twitter name that I regret picking. Eh, eh. Eh, you, you got the ink to back it up. So yeah, that's true. All right, and uh, um, uh, website. What, what do you want to list for your primary website now? Uh, nerdgap.com is where you'll find most of what I do now. Yeah, yeah. All right, nerdgap. I'm gonna add this to the show notes before I forget. Sweet. Oh, and you got a dot com because you're like me. You, no, you, I didn't. Oh, that dot com. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you, my you, personal you, domain isn't a dot com. Cause, Cause, you bought it after like .NET became cool, right? Um, no. Well, my full real name has been like that .dot com has been gone for like fifteen years or something. It's like oh, an actor. like taken. Yeah, it's an actor. Oh, <laughs> dude! If you Google like, there's so there's a there's like a, a Canadian like slasher film director named Brett Kelly. There's a a guy like, who was in the Sandlot too. I think his name is Brett Kelly. There's a guy kind of a big kid with curly hair. And I think there's like a soccer slash football player from the UK who has a lot of provocative pictures taken of himself. Who's also named <laughs> Brett Kelly. So wait, you, so so brettkelly.net is you? No, dot org no. is me. Dot org. Okay, I was going to say yeah. because brettkelly.net leads to something about zombie movies. That's the that's the Canadian guy. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the B uh, B film guy. Here's what I am not: a Canadian filmmaker, <laughs> the fluffy kid from the Sandlot. A beefcake athlete from the UK who enjoys having his picture taken. This is from brettkelly.org. Yep. Very nice. Yep. Nice picture. If I'd known too. you were going to read that, I wouldn't have used a lot of the same words when I, when I described it. That's all right. That's yeah. all right. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, I am Brett Terpstra at brettterpstra.com and TT Scoff everywhere else. And this has been episode 98. Thanks for being here, Brett. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, dude. You're supposed to say thanks for having me, Brett. Thanks for having me, Brett. No problem, Brett. Brett. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in a week.